News Talk 580 CFRA presents the Employment Hour with employment lawyer Alex Luchafero. And yeah, we are back in indeed. It is Skulls here along with Alex and ready to take your calls. It is a call-in show after all. 613-521-TALK would be the number to uh, ask your questions for the remainder of the afternoon, for this hour anyway, in the employment hour. You have questions about your workplace, uh, your job, your boss. Maybe you are the boss. I don't know. We'll get all that stuff. We'd love to hear from you this afternoon. We'll get into medical leaves from work disability. Coverage is denied. And we'll talk about whether you are an independent contractor or actually an employee. Lots of stuff to cover here uh, today. So, Alex, good to uh, have you back in the chair, my friend. We always start with the week that was. How was your week, pal? Hey, John. Thanks very much. Great to be back. Excited to be here uh, live on the air in Ottawa talking employment law, talking uh, workplace rights, talking uh, employee situations, employer situations, what you will. If it's about the workplace, then we're here to chat. Week was busy, John. Uh, Despite uh, the time of year, despite the upcoming holidays, Continues to be a busy time for us in uh, Semfir Tamarkin's Ottawa office. The entire team in Ottawa, Lior, uh, my colleague Samara, myself, continue to speak to people on a daily basis. People that have heard the radio show, uh, seen the TV show, or people that have referred to us by whomever, their family members, their their colleagues. Uh, These people give us a call because uh, they, you know, have workplace issues. They're dealing with a problem at work. They're dealing with a difficult situation in the workplace. They need some help. Uh, And they reach out to us. Uh, they want to know what their rights are. They want to know what options they have in terms of, uh, of, you know, solving the problems that they're struggling with. And, you know, as you very well know, John, this is what we do. That's what we pride ourselves on. Uh, we're here to help people. We're here to here to resolve workplace problems. And that's what's great about this job, John. Uh, for the most part, after people speak with us, uh, whether they're employees, whether they're employers dealing with difficult situations, they feel a whole lot better. Um, almost always we're able to resolve these problems for these people. Uh, And listen, even, you know, we're obviously not perfect. No one is and no situation is perfect. Even in situations where we can't perfectly solve problems, Mm -hmm. uh, people appreciate knowing what their options are, knowing where they stand. And a conversation with us uh, gives these people exactly that. You know, we're not actually on on radio or on TV all that much. Most of the time that we spend uh, is helping people, speaking to people, resolving these uh, problems. So if you're listening right now and you're in one of these situations, either you've lost your job, you're worried about losing your job, uh, you're being mistreated in the workplace, uh, if your workplace problems are stressing you out, if you're losing sleep at night because of your workplace problems, I hear that so much, John. Please give us a call right now. It's an opportunity to speak with an employment lawyer myself. Let's solve that problem that you're struggling with. Let's try and help you in that situation, alleviate some of that workplace stress, uh, you know, I, I always encourage listeners, uh, you know, every time I'm on, John, uh, do not be shy. There are no bad questions whatsoever. We're here to talk. Yeah, We're here to help. Uh, and let me tell you, by calling into this show, not only are you helping yourself, you're going to be helping dozens, if not hundreds of other people out there that are dealing with a similar situation and um, and with a similar issue and they're listening in as well. So make that call. Uh, of course, John uh, will be giving you the number throughout the uh, throughout the hour. And of yep. course... If you ever want to talk privately, if you're really not comfortable talking on air, uh, if you want to talk privately with either myself or, or one of my colleagues, give us a call uh, at the office or send us an email. Uh, and of course, John, you know, you'll be giving out that number as well. So, you bet. As you mentioned, John, let's get us warmed up and started uh, for our new listeners out there, and there there are uh, new listeners every week. Uh, we always start the show off with the week that was. It's an opportunity to talk about a couple of situations 
uh, that I've dealt with personally over the past couple of weeks. So get let's get into the first situation. So uh, first situation, John, involves uh, pretty much a, a, a regular termination, if I could put it that way, although, you know, a termination is always stressful for any any individual. But but uh, the, the lesson here is, it, you know, this story shows just how important getting advice is. Now, uh, this is a lady that, that uh, called me. She had worked in a marketing position for just about two years, a little over, over two years for a small company, uh, and she was let go because of a restructuring. So this was, uh, as I mentioned, the kind of small company. They had two marketing uh, coordinators, I think they were called, right. and the company decided, well, actually, we, you know, because of our size, we need just one. So this lady was let go. She called me. Uh, and the company had offered this lady, again, a, a two-year employee, four weeks of pay. So uh, of those four weeks, uh, the, the two weeks uh, two weeks were kind of her minimum entitlements under the Employment Standards Act. Mm-hmm. And the company also said, we'll give you an extra two weeks over on, on top of that uh, in exchange for signing what's called a release. So the total package offered was four weeks of pay. Now, before this lady spoke to me, uh, and then she obviously told me this over the over the phone when we were chatting, she actually had done some research, she had spoken to some people, and she concluded that actually the four weeks was, was a pretty good deal given her situation. It was it was quite good, and she was actually ready to sign off on the offer when she spoke to me. So she, you know, she had heard the radio show. Uh, I think it was uh, about a month ago or so. It would have been sometime in in November, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. And she just wanted to make sure. And she she obviously heard us saying, you know, you need to speak with people before you sign off on a pe- package. And, uh, and she said, you know what, let me call in. There's no loss here. There, there, there's, no, uh, you know, there's no expense. Let me just make sure my package is okay and let me just speak yep. with someone, get some professional advice. And good on her for doing that. Quite frankly, it's the right move. So uh, we chat and I find out that this lady is 48 years old. Uh, again, she had, been, uh, she had been with the company actually just shy of, of three years. So she was about a, a two-year and 10-month employee, again, in a marketing position and uh, she actually had quite a good salary. She was making right at about, right about $80,000 a year. So, uh, and again, the company had offered her four weeks of pay. Now, given her age, position, and years of service, which is the criteria that you assess severance mm-hmm. on, I assessed uh, this woman's entitlements in the range of four months. And actually not in the range of four months, as actually four months as a severance package. So, um, you know, again, that's four months, not four weeks. Now, when I told her this, she was actually quite surprised. Again, as I mentioned previously, she, sh- she thought the offer was actually a pretty good one. Uh, it-, it turns out that the company actually offered her a quarter of what she was actually owed. Now, uh, you know, and-, and when you take her salary into consideration, that extra three months of pay is $20,000. That's a, that's a significant amount of money. You know, I don't know about you, John, but twenty twenty thousand dollars is a significant amount of money. I'd for like me. to have it. Yeah, yeah it would, like it would be it. nice. And, and, yeah. and you know, what yeah. I could say is it's probably better spent in her pocket than it is in, in the yeah, companies. Right. But um, so you know, she, obviously, I told her this. She was quite surprised. Um, and you know, now I'm helping her get that compensation. And again, the message here is I, I really want our listeners to to remember, John. You know, especially for those listeners that haven't heard the show before. Most of the time, when you're you know you're going to be losing your job. You're going to be sat down in a meeting. You're going to be told that your services are no longer required. Uh, you know, it's going to be extremely stressful. You're going to be upset. You're going to be staring at a severance offer from the company. Yeah. The company might even tell you this is a good offer. You should sign off. However, chances are, and again, you know, the majority of severance packages we see, John, are going to be significantly inadequate. It's going to be a lot less than what it should be. In this case, the offer, again, was a quarter of what it should have been uh, and what it will be. Once we engage with the company effectively, and, and and you know that's just a fact. So, you know, why is it so important to get legal advice in these situations? 
You don't want to find out later down the road after you've signed off or, you know, a year later that you were you actually agreed to something that was significantly less than than what it should have been. It's too late then. You know, don't let that happen. Uh, don't make that happen to you. If you or someone you know has lost their job, they have to get legal advice. It's an imperative. I don't care if you don't like me uh, or if you don't like us. That's okay. You need to get legal advice from an employment lawyer when you've been offered a severance package. If you don't, chances are you'll come to regret that decision. Well, I mean, the, the the way you look at it, she was offered basically 25 cents on the dollar, exactly. which is not good. And she might have talked to some friends or colleagues, you know, her neighbor across the fence and said, okay, you've been there a little over two years, they give you four weeks. Well, it should be a week per year, which we know is wrong. So they've actually given you a good offer. Not good. Yeah. Luckily, she called, right? Yeah, listen, I'm not going to take accounting advice from my uncle, John, right? And you're, So you shouldn't be getting legal advice uh, from a friend or from a right. former colleague. Even if your cousin is in HR or whatever the case may be, you need to speak with an expert in the yeah. field. You need to speak with an employment lawyer, and I would encourage you to, to obviously give us a call. So that's, that's situation uh, number one. I've got a bit yeah. of a different, uh, different situation uh, as part of my second story here. Again, this is a, another, uh, this time a gentleman that I spoke with uh, this week. I, I think it would have been on, on Tuesday of this week. Uh, this gentleman was uh, a truck driver, uh, John, and he was, uh, unfortunately, just uh, last week, terminated for cause for his employment, okay. from his employment. And um, you know, for, for those not familiar with the term, again, for our new listeners and maybe for some who, who haven't heard the term yet, uh, a termination for cause happens when a, an employee does something so terribly wrong, so awful, that it's impossible for the employer to continue employing them. And that allows the company to terminate their employment without any kind of notice whatsoever uh, and without any kind of severance whatsoever. So this person was terminated for cause. And so the question, obviously, I had for him when I spoke to him was, uh, what did you do? Obviously, they're alleging that you did something wrong. Tell me what happened. And so what he told me is, uh, and he, he, can't, you know, he, was, he was quite honest with it, and he said, you know, listen, the day before I got let go, I was involved in an accident. I was actually parking one of the trucks that I drive, uh, and I, I banged up the trailer quite badly. I, mm-hmm. And he fully admitted to me, John, he you know, probably could have been paying more attention. He misjudged his angles and, and kind of the distance, and uh, he caused quite a bit of damage uh, on the trailer that he was trying to park, I guess. And, uh, you know, obviously the company was upset. Uh, and, and listen, understandably so. Uh, you know, that's not surprising. It, it's probably going to cost thousands of dollars to repair right. the damage. But the company then turned around and said, well, because of this, and literally the next day they said, we're letting you go for cause. This is your last day. It's over, you know, so long. And, and they didn't offer him any kind of severance, any kind of notice whatsoever. So again, this gentleman calls me. Uh, he actually, as I just mentioned, admitted to the mistake. Uh, and, uh, so he wanted to know, you know, am I owed anything in this situation if I'm not fair enough, but if I am obviously then, then, uh, I, I want kind of what's fair out of the situation. And so, uh, you know, the answer that I had for this gentleman, John was, you know, yes, that was a mistake, but no, the company did not have the right to terminate you for cause in a situation uh, like that. Again, this was an honest mistake. This guy wasn't impaired. Uh, you know, this wasn't uh, accident five of five over the course of his employment. This was actually the first time this gentleman had been in any kind of accident over the course of, of his employment. He had a clean record. Uh, and so this is not cause for termination. A four-cause termination, John, is is when the employer is allowed to let somebody go without ne- uh, severance yes. or, or notice. And it's reserved for the most serious of offenses. It's the worst penalty in employment law. It really can't get any worse than terminating an employee 
for cause, and so because of that, it's reserved for the worst kinds of offenses. In a case like this, where the gentleman had a clean record, where he fessed up to the to the mistake and was honest about it, uh, this is not a cause termination. This guy would have had to done would have had to do something seriously, seriously wrong to to be terminated for cause. This isn't an example of one of those kinds of situations. If the gentleman was impaired, or if this was accident, like I said, five uh, right. over the course of 2018. You know, listen, I, I would have told him that's a problem. That's a tough, you know, that's a tough situation. It may very well be cause. Uh, but in a situation where it was his first accident uh, and it was an honest mistake, that might have warranted a written write-up, you know, a reprimand. It yeah. might have, and this, is, this might be stretching it, John, but it, it might have warranted uh, a brief suspension, but in no way did it warrant, warrant a termination for cause. And so because of that, he's owed a reasonable severance package. I assess this gentleman's uh, severance entitlements as being eight months of pay, which, you know, truck drivers make a decent income. So that's a significant severance package and a significant amount of money. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, again, the moral of the story here is I want our listeners to understand if you've done something wrong at work or maybe you've done a couple of things wrong at work, to lose your job for cause most of the time is going to be premature. For an employer, again, for an employer to be able to terminate your employment for cause, they would have to establish, number one, that you've done something terribly, terribly wrong. But also, number two, that they gave you an opportunity to improve and that you just didn't. And it's very, very difficult to establish that. So this gentleman was wrongfully dismissed. Uh, and I know many people, uh, and listen, we speak with them every day, that have been in you know similar situations. The silver lining here, I guess, John, ultimately this man has lost his job. He can't get it back. But again, the silver lining here is, the, is that we're going to be able to help him uh, get the severance package that he's uh, owed. And... Uh, you know, hopefully that kind of holds him over until he could find his next job. We'll uh, take a short break with that. A heck of a start, my friend. The phone lines are open for you to call through. It is a talk show. It is a call-in show. 613-521-TALK. Lots more to go. Uh, by the way, that number that Alex mentioned off the top to get a hold of him or a member of the team, one 821 5900 or simply helpandemploymenthour.com. Lots more on the way. Employment Hour on News Talk 580 CFRA. Now back to the Employment Hour with employment lawyer Alex Luchafero on News Talk 580 CFRA. Still have plenty of time for you to call in, ask your questions, whether it has to do with LTD, disability coverage, or simply your workplace and severance, anything under that rather large umbrella. Taking your call, 613-521-TALK is the number to use. You want to get a hold of Alex and the crew outside of the hour of the show, you can go to help at employmenthour.com as well and 1-855-821-5900. Talking about LTD, just to review, difference between being on LTD and being on a medical leave of absence. Well, the main difference, uh, John, is that you know when you're on uh, LTD disability benefits, a long-term disability benefits, you're being paid a portion, a percentage of your salary from the insurance company. So it's a type of insurance that effectively holds you over while you're on right. a medical leave of absence until at some point you're able to return to work. If you're not able to return to work, then those disability benefits continue usually up until you're 65 years of age. So up until you know very roughly the the age of, of retirement. Now, mm-hmm. just because you're you're on a medical leave of absence doesn't necessarily mean that you're receiving long-term disability benefits. So, you know, you can be unable to work from a physical point of view for whatever the reason. As I mentioned, it might be physical, it might be mental, yeah. but you don't necessarily qualify for a, a long-term disability uh, benefit. So the difference is effectively being paid or not. 
You could be right. on a medical leave of absence and still have your job being held for you and available to you when you're ready to go back to work, but not necessarily receiving benefits from uh, a benefits uh, coverage or an insurance company. So, And there are other benefits that you can receive during that time. There is employment insurance, what are called sickness benefits, uh, and there's other forms of benefits you can certainly receive. Uh, and so the difference is whether effectively you're paid by the insurance company or not. Again, the, the main message there and the, and the main point that we want to get across to our listeners is just because you're denied disability insurance from an insurance company doesn't mean that you're not allowed to be on a medical leave of absence from an employment from a point of view or from your employer's point of view. Now, the, the main difficulty that employees face in these kinds of situations yeah. is when an employer gives them an ultimatum. So they say, right. listen, the insurance company says you're able to work, so we want you back to work tomorrow. And, and that's a terrible situation for an employee. I mean, you know as an employee that Things are going badly. You're not able to work, but your employer is kind of demanding it. So what do you do? What do you, you know, in your head, what are your options? Either you kind of force it and force yourself back to work. That's obviously not a good situation. You're putting yourself in more, again, physical or mental jeopardy there. It could get becoming, worse, right? Exactly. Yeah. Becoming more injured or, or just making that problem at work worse. Uh, or on the other end, you know, it sounds like you might risk facing termination sure. because if your employer says you've got to come back to work tomorrow and you don't show up, well, then they're probably going to let you go, right? So, you know, when we and, – and, you know, to be clear, this situation doesn't happen that often, John, because okay. most employers are smart enough to know that they can't do this. Now, yeah. like everything in life, there is the rare exception, <sighs> and we have certainly seen employers before – Tell an employee, if you don't come back to work tomorrow because you got terminated or because you, you haven't qualified for disability benefits, if you don't show up, we're letting you go. And, and that is a terrible situation for an employer, John, because that employer has effectively not only just one terminated that employee's employment, in which case they're owed a severance package because they've been wrongfully terminated. Right. But also, number two, they've terminated their employment because that employee had to take a medical leave of absence. And- if the medical That's leave a human of absence problem exactly if the medical yeah. leave of absence is justified which it is of course if you're as an employee you're on a medical leave uh, then again, you just nailed it. That's a human rights violation. You cannot terminate an employee's employment because they had to take a medical leave of absence. So in doing that as an employer, you have just opened up a huge can of worms, if not two cans of worms, mm -hmm. and you're going to get dinged for not only severance, but you're also going to get dinged for human rights uh, damages, uh, which are going to be tens of thousands of dollars in that situation. So from the employer's point of view, if you're dealing with uh, an employee that's on a medical leave of absence, uh, you have to maintain that employee's position regardless of what the insurance company is saying as long as you've got the medical proof to back it up from that employee. Uh, and if, you, you know, if you're thinking about making a decision with respect to that employee's employment, you need to get advice from, a, from yeah. an employment lawyer first. Uh, from an employee's point of view in that situation, you've got to make sure uh, that you have the medical support of your doctor. That's point number one. You need your medical team to back you up in whatever it is that, that you're doing or whatever it is that your doctor is requesting you to do. You need evidence of that in the form of a, a doctor's note. Um, and number two, again, if your employer is giving you a hard time in that situation, mm -hmm. you, you have to obtain a legal advice because there is a way that oftentimes we can save situations like that. And if we can't save it and you get let go anyways, well, then you're going to need uh, you're going to need our assistance in in pursuing the employer for those severance entitlements and, you know, potentially human rights violation uh, damages. So a uh, number of things to look out for in those situations. For sure. 613-521-TALK is the number to call in for the remainder of the show today. So um, 
So we'll say the employer is now wise enough to know they can't let somebody go while they're on medical leave. It could be a double whammy for them, like you just mentioned. But but can that employer require said employee to go see their own doctor or at least get a second opinion from another doctor? Great question, John. That's uh, that, that's uh, a can of worms in and of itself. Right. Uh, but but you know here's the answer in a nutshell, and and it's uh, the. You know the law regarding the situation is uh, very complex, very fact specific. Okay. So you know the answer in one situation isn't going to necessarily be the answer in a different kind of situation. So I, I want to insert that caveat before I give this answer. But you know the, the the short answer, and let's say the most common answer to that question of whether or not your employer can ask you to ask you to go get a second opinion, right. the short answer is no. In most cases. Uh, the employer has an obligation to repl- to rely upon the evidence that your own doctor is providing. Okay. Um, in certain circumstances, and you see this a lot in the unionized uh, context, uh, the employer will be allowed to request a second opinion uh, from either you know a doctor that they suggest or an independent uh, physician or or uh, assessor uh, okay. and get a second opinion. But again, uh, you know what I would come back to is. If as an employee, you're being asked uh, by your employer to go see another doctor for a second opinion, the alarm bells should be ringing there. That's a situation where your employer is potentially trying to take advantage of the situation and request something that it isn't necessarily allowed to request. So again, you need to get advice in that situation. And again, the most common uh, answer to that question of whether your employer could ask for a second opinion, the most common answer is no. And most most cases, for example, out there would say no, an employer is not allowed to do that. Now, that's contrary to if you're on disability benefits, the insurer can ask for you to see their independent doctor. The insurance company can do that, but the employer cannot, right? Exactly. The insurance company no. is, uh, and, and you know, I won't, say, I won't say a lot of times, but sometimes an insurance company will request that. Uh, yeah. And that's usually a term that's, uh, that, that's in the insurance the policy. policy. Exactly. Yeah. So it's kind of a contract. And, you know, when you signed up for those insurance benefits, you agreed to that policy and you have to effectively follow the terms of that contract. And that's what gives the insurance company the ability to make that request. Your employer is very, very different, right? There's there's almost certainly no term in your employment contract or in your offer right. letter that says, oh, by the way, we're allowed to ask for a second opinion when it comes to any kind of medical leave of absence. And that's why, uh, in most cases, the answer to that question is no. You want to reach out anytime to Alex, uh, Leora, the team. It's 1-855-821-5900. That's the phone number. Keep that with you. Help at employmenthour.com is the email. I want to touch on this uh, as we've got a couple minutes here before we take a short break, and that is a uh, the handy tool we call the severance pay calculator, which we are well over a half a million people have used. Now, give me some details on it. That's right. I mean, the severance pay calculator, you can find that at severancepaycalculator.com. You, we, we have an app, uh, I believe, on uh, Google, Android, yeah. uh uh, Apple, you, you name it, you could find it online. You could find it on your on your smartphone, and it's uh, it's a calculator. It's a tool that our firm created, uh, I think, just over six years ago uh, now, and it's meant to educate and inform people uh, with respect to what they're owed when they lose their job. So you know, it doesn't matter what you call it, whether you call it termination pay or severance or wrongful dismissal damages. Call it what you want. It's what you're owed when you're let go from your job. Uh, and really, the the app, the the, the calculator can't be e, uh, any easier. Uh, there are three main uh, factors that we have to take into consideration when we're assessing severance. You input your age, 
you input your length of employment and you input the kind of position you held at the company and that's it you're done the severance pal- calculator will give you a number it'll tell me how it'll tell you how many weeks or how many months uh, you're owed what your full entitlements are when it comes to severance pay uh, and you know that that's basically it John it's so easy to use uh, it's completely anonymous so you don't have to put input your age you don't need to input yeah. your email address unless you want to uh, you don't have to say where you work or give any kind of specific details about your situation uh, age position years of service boom there you have it it's for your own benefit uh, if you've been let go uh, the severance pay calculator should be your starting point you should be getting legal advice as well but to give you a good sense of what you're actually looking at as far as the severance package goes severance pay ca- pay calculator.com um, you know, it's always the first place you have to go when it comes to when it comes to severance and when it comes to what you're owed when you're losing your job. Yeah, it's really cool. Again, there's no way to pay for it even if you wanted to. It's a good leap-off point. There may be other factors that are uh, calculated later on with your severance, but it's definitely a good starting point. You want to check it out uh, anytime. You might not need it. Maybe just for interest's sake, severancepaycalculator.com. Take a short break here, pal, and we'll get back into this. Are you an independent contractor or are you really an employee? There is some, some fog here. There's unclear waters, which we will get through. After a short break, phone lines are still open for you as well to call in, ask your questions, 613-521-TALK. This is the Employment Hour. It's on News Talk 580 CFRA. Now back to the Employment Hour with employment lawyer Alex Luchafero on News Talk 580 CFRA. You still got a few minutes to call in, ask any questions if you have them. 613-521-TALK. That is the number to get a hold of Alex when the show is not on the air. Help at employmenthour.com. The old independent contractor versus the employee. A lot of people have either label. They might be one of them. Can't be both. What's the difference? Great, great uh, question, John. And this is actually a a, a very uh, Ottawa-specific issue, John. Mm-hmm. There are plenty of independent contractors uh, in, in the city uh, that come to us, give us a call. Uh, oftentimes, they give us a call. They just want their contract reviewed, or they have some questions about their employment relationship. And you know, again, oftentimes we'll say, "Well, you might call yourself an independent contractor, but you know, sorry about that. You're actually an employee." And so, you know, what's the difference? How do you figure out who's who, what's what? Um, and you know, the 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 law on this issue is actually quite similar to you know, let's say what the uh, the CRA, the Canada Revenue Agency, would kind of determine when it comes to assessing someone's taxes and figuring out if you're actually an independent contractor or an employee. And there are a couple of things that will make you an independent contractor as opposed to an employee. Uh, now, those cu- couple of things are, are the following. Number one is the level of control an employer has over the, the contractor or the employee's okay. activities. So if you're in a situation where you're being told, you know, specifically what to do, you have a job description, you're doing the same thing kind of day in, day out for the same person and the same kind of work, that, that factor leans towards employee. A contractor will usually be uh, kind of doing the same work, of, of course, but will often be doing work for different kinds of people in right. different kinds of situations, and, um, and it's more kind of varied in that respect. But if you're kind of nine to five doing the same job day in, day out for the same person, again, you're going to end up on the employee side of the ledger. Um, I guess kind of a, a plumber would be a perfect example of a exactly. contractor. That, right? that's, a, that's a perfect example of, let's yeah. say, someone that would, be, that would be a contractor. Now, the second thing, and again, let's keep, let, let's keep the plumber analogy or, or, or example in mind, uh, John. The second thing is, does that uh, individual have his or her own equipment? 
So again, a plumber or, or an electrician, whatever the case may be, may have their own tools, their own van, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, as opposed to, let's say, someone who would be considered an employee where you're using the company's tools. And, and listen, it doesn't have to be a plumber or an electrician. You could be yep. working in an office, but if you're using the company's equipment, again, that's a factor that's going to Put you know it's going to put a tick on the side of the ledger of the of being an employee as opposed as opposed to a contractor. Second, uh, third thing, let's say, is the financial risk that uh, the worker takes on personally. So again, a contractor, you're going to have profits and loss and expenses. Yeah. You you know might take on a project that well it might cost you a little too much and maybe you don't make money on that project. And that's a risk that contractors take, right, in terms of their time, in terms of their, their expenses, what they have to put into the work, uh, again, any equipment that they have to use, as opposed to an employee who, well, really, you're, there is no risk when it comes to an employee, right. right? You're doing the work, you're being paid by the employer, and that's kind of regardless of the result uh, of whatever kind of work you're doing. You're being paid a salary, you're being paid hour, an hourly wage uh, or an annual salary, or you know, even if you're on commissions, uh, you know, it's still an employment situation in a case like that. So again, the degree of financial risk is a factor that's taken into consideration. I want to bounce over to the uh, the phone lines? As I mentioned, still have some time to call in here. We'll get to uh, to Neil. Hey, Neil. Good afternoon. You got a question? Go ahead. Hi, uh, this is Neil. Yeah. Hi, Neil. Go hi, ahead. Neil. Um, yeah, uh, I was a long term employee for. Uh, in a construction business for 37 years, I, I had a brain injury, and I was on uh, uh, long-term disability for mm-hmm. a year and a half. And then, um, but with my brain st- uh, thing, I couldn't work in the winters. Okay. And um, go on, Neil. Yes. Um, yeah, I'm a little nervous. Sorry. No, that's all right. Don't, no, that's okay. don't, don't worry about it. Were, were you ultimately let go from from this job? Well, yes. What happened was, uh, you know, I had to go to the doctor when I came back from the winter because we got this uh, HR uh, person mm-hmm. that came into work because our company grew a little bit, and then things changed, and. Um, uh, you know, I had to see a doctor, and you know, I signed a contract to say I'd work four days a week. But uh, physically, I couldn't work four days a week okay. anymore. Okay. So, so what happened was I went to uh, part time, I guess. Mm-hmm. So what happened a year ago was uh, I had a meeting with my uh, my boss, which is a great company, actually. Okay. Uh, and uh, the HR person, he says, well, you've gone to part-time now, and uh, I don't know. <laughs> okay, w- w- and, and so... Uh, but what happened was, uh, she said, well, well, you can still come to the Christmas party. <laughs> okay. Because uh, I wasn't going to be an employee anymore. Yeah, so did, did they kind of put you in a position where either you had to fulfill these part-time hours or they were going to let you go so they were kind of giving you no no in-between option is that what i'm understanding neil uh yes okay let me ask you this did did your was your doctor saying you were able to work in some sort of capacity well that's the problem i don't have a doctor so okay 
Okay. So so listen, let me tell you this, Neil. I mean, obviously, we, we need a little bit more information here to, to properly kind of advise you. So what I would say is, uh, you know, give us a call off air or send us an email off air. We'll probably want to get into your situation in a little more detail. We'll need a little bit more of the story. But if, yes. what, I'm, if what I'm hearing, Neil, is that, you know, they, they told you, well, because you can't work four days or because maybe you can't work as much as we want you to, we have to let you go. That's potentially a problem. You know, what they might be saying there indirectly is, well, because of your physical or, or mental limitations, mm-hmm. we're letting you go. And that's clearly a problem. That, that's potentially a termination on the basis of your disability, which is a human rights violation. So, you know, well, again, I, I, uh, yeah, the thing is, I couldn't work in the winters because uh, with my brain thing there, my yeah. foot yep. would. But, but again, that shouldn't be that shouldn't be a reason to terminate your employment. Maybe, you know, you would have to be yeah, on some sort of layoff. What I think is I worked myself out of the job. I've been there for 37 years. Wow. Good for you. That's uh, that's very impressive, Neil. Listen, uh, we're, we're running out of time. And again, I don't want to necessarily do you any kind of injustice by giving you a, a, a short but incomplete answer. Neil, give us a call uh, privately uh, at the office. I'd be more than happy to chat with you further and, and discuss this issue for you. I think it's worth. I think it's worth having a discussion. All right. And that's, thank you, Neil. That's a, a good way to wrap it for this afternoon, Neil. That number again: one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Reach out, get a hold of Alex, please. Do as soon as you can. Email is help at employmenthour.com and always check severancepaycalculator.com before you sign anything and then make that phone call as well. Till next time, it's been the Employment Hour right here on News Talk 580 CFRA.